Welcome to Seeking God, Loving Others, where I share tips and encouragement for practical Christian living. Over the years, I've seen too many followers of Christ struggle in the basic day-to-day application of God's word. Instead of prosperity, peace, and health, many have settled for a life of debt, doubt, and disease. My desire is to help equip you with the tools for living the abundant life God has for you every single day. I'm your host, Jasmine Lozano. So grab a cup of coffee or maybe clean out your junk drawer as you join me for a great conversation. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here this week. Um, We are starting week two of our boot camp or basic training series. Last week, we talked about the importance of fellowship. And if you made it all the way to the end, you know, I applaud you because I, I like to talk. I mean, many of you that know me, you guys know I like to talk. I didn't realize I talked that much. So this week, I'm going to get it down to a more manageable size. Maybe like you you could clean your bathroom while listening to this or, or your kitchen or fold some laundry. But I'm not going to go too long today. But I wanted to talk to you guys today about the importance of Bible study. Um, the blog this week is about Bible study. You can go read that on jasminelozano.com. It'll be right there at the top. Uh, But I want to talk today about the importance of Bible study. You know, I hear um, a lot of people talk about, you know, I get up and I do my devotion in the morning. I get up and I do my my plan in the morning. And those are all great things. But for me, sometimes I'm like, okay, I I just need to read the Bible. I just need to open the Bible, find a a place where where I need to read and, and just read the Bible, read the word of God. And that's it. And um, I think that it is so, so important and crucial for the believer to have, one, the, the biblical knowledge to be able to just open the Bible when you're going through something and be able to find something to encourage yourself or to encourage somebody else. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this week. I actually, um, I went on a website and I, I made show notes. I learned how to make show notes. So you will be able to see the show notes for um, this podcast at jasminelozano.com. You can uh, pull up week two show notes um, and there'll be a link to it in the in the podcast in the d- detail section. But I, I found a statistic and I got this from Statista.com and the study was taken um, in 2020 over the period of January to June. And so in January, from January to June, they surveyed, I think it was 10,000 people. But of the people they surveyed, 34% of them, and these are Christians, not just people off the street, 34% of Christians never read their Bible. And I found it shocking because they did the same study in 2018, and that's up, like it used to, in 2018, it was 30%. So now in 2020, 34% said they never read their Bible. Um, And then it said, I'm not going to give you all the details, you can go on their site and see it. But the other statistic that stood out to me was that only 16% of Christians read their Bible or say they read their Bible every day. And that was up from just 3% in 2018. So it, it just led me to wonder, and as I was writing the blog this week, like why, why don't we read our Bibles? Why don't Christians read our Bible? And I had my ideas about why I thought um, people don't read their Bibles. But then I said, um, you know, let me see what the old Google has to say. So I just Googled, why don't Christians read the Bible? And an article popped up. I got the article at crosswalk.com. Again, I have a link to that in the show notes. I love saying that because I hear other podcasters say it. But uh, there's a link to this if you want to look at more detail. But I want to talk about this article that I read and then add just a little bit of my own two cents here and there. But 
Um, and these are in no particular order, but number one said that the Bible is optional. Many people think that the Bible is optional. And then their comment was, many people see more verses of scripture on Facebook memes than in their Bible. And to them, Facebook replaces the Bible. And that is total, I, I see that all the time, you know, like people post their, you know, their Bible, a, a real pretty picture of a, of a Bible verse. And like, you may see that a couple of times on Facebook and you're like, yeah, that's good. Praise the Lord. And, and, and in your mind, it, it makes you feel like you've read your Bible because you've read a Bible verse, but there's a difference between just, you know, reading a verse of the Bible and actually reading the Bible and studying the Bible. So that, that was a good, I, I agree with that. Number two, it said many church leaders don't expect us to read the Bible. And this one was a little sad, but it said, it's not that leaders don't want people to read the Bible. They don't expect it. College professors expect their students to read the textbook outside of class, but many pastors don't expect the same of their flocks. And this is so true. Like I I hear it. Like I'm not even like, I'm not trying to be like, oh, at my church. I'm just saying, I hear it. Like when I listen to people speaking, they'll say, oh, well, you know, y'all don't read your Bibles anyway. And I'm like, you know, everybody's ha ha ha, they laugh. But I mean, that unfortunately it's true. Many pastors, they don't expect for the, the people to, uh, to read their Bible. Um, so I think that's kind of sad. But number three, all we hear is mission and vision. And this one kind of got me because I, I'm a big, per, I'm a big believer and you have to have a vision. You have to have a mission. Otherwise you're just walking around doing stuff aimlessly and on a whim. But I understand exactly what this article meant. They said an unintended consequence of church branding and mission statements is constant preaching of vision and funding for the mission. In a growing number of churches, vision has replaced discipleship. Ooh, that's good. The ABCs, attendance, baptisms, cash are measurable. Spiritual growth and Bible literacy is difficult to assess. And um, I, I... I have to agree. I'm I'll, I'm not. I'm going to try my best not to comment too much on these. I just kind of want to read them and share them with you. But y'all know I like to talk, so I am going to say a little something. Um, this is this can be so true. You know, I see um, so often churches get so wrapped up in what what needs to be done for the church or at the church that it it's hard. Uh, they they forget to to focus and place an emphasis on the individual's spiritual growth or on Bible literacy. It's like, okay, well, y'all are here in church, so that's good. You guys, we know you're going to get the Bible. And if you're, if you're part of a church where, you know, they're heavy on preaching the Bible and the word of God, that's great. But there's something, there's something that you get from personal Bible study. And I just, you know, and I, and I would have to agree that sometimes churches can kind of lose sight of the importance of growing the individual and, and the focus becomes more on growing the mission or the, or the vision of the church. Number four, it says Google faith. We can Google a Bible verse or blog about a verse anytime we want. So why read what's around it? And that's true. I'm guilty of that. I will Google a verse in a minute. I'll be like, you know, what what did Jesus say when he said, you know, cur- when he cursed the fig tree? And I'll just Google curse the fig tree and it pulls up the verse for me. I don't have to pull out my Bible and flip through it. And that can be great, but it can also um, like this said, you know, it, it causes us to, we just find that one thing we're looking for. We don't read it in context like we would if we were opening our Bible to read it. You know, in the Bible, when you find a verse, there's usually, you know, a few more verses before or after. And when we just Google verses, we don't get that context. So I thought that was a pretty, um, I thought that was a pretty interesting reason why this article said people don't read the Bible. Number five, failure or a fear of failure. 
disappointing and confusing experiences reading the Bible have triggered resignation. Like, like it's more like a keep, keep the Bible away from me. Like I, I tried to read it before and I can't. And, um, I think that's sad. And I, I think one reason is because sometimes we, we have, we have the standards set like, okay, well I have to read the Bible in 30 days or I have to read the Bible in a month or have to, you know, or whatever it is. And, you know, we feel like, you know, we we feel like it's something that's unattainable. And what if we just said, you know what, I'm going to start at the beginning and work my way through. Like no time crunch. I'm, I'm just going to read. But unfortunately, we place a lot of restrictions, you know, on, on some of the things that we do. And, and some of it, like it just makes us afraid to even try. So I can see that. Number six, your parents don't read the Bible. If you don't read it, your kids won't, statistically speaking. If you've given up, they may never begin. And um, this is so important. My kids see me read the Bible. They see their dad read the Bible daily. Um, and it's, it's so important that like your, your kids, they, they do what they see you do. You know, I see, you know, my son, he'll, he, he does things just like I do them. You know, he'll be watching a show on TV and he'll grab his iPad and be playing a game on the iPad. And I'm like, focus on the TV. He's like, well, you're playing a game on your phone. <laughs> like they do what they see. So if our kids don't see us reading the Bible, there's a, a huge chance they're not going to read the Bible either. Number seven, Bible bullies. And I can go all day on this one. Um, Bible bullies, but I won't, I won't. It says sincere believers are often told overtly and covertly that they are not smart or educated enough to truly understand the Bible. And um, this, this is one of my biggest pet peeves. Like I could go on a rant. Oh, I can go on a rant. This is my podcast. But you know, I think it's so sad. Like when people um, make other people feel like, like the Bible is too hard for them to understand. Oh, like, oh, well, if you don't have this study Bible or if you don't have this concordance or if you don't have this, then you probably don't really know what you're reading. You pro- you know, and this was something that happened way back in, I think it was the 1500s or so during the Reformation. Um, you know, I, I did a little bit of reading on this, but Martin Luther, and I mean, I know like he had his faults and everything. He, you know, I think, he, I'm pretty sure he was a racist, but <laughs> he, um, he, what he didn't like about the Catholic church at the time was they, the people had to go to the priest to hear the word of God. The Bible wasn't in their language. Um, so somebody had to tell them about the Bible. So everything that they knew about the Bible, somebody told them they didn't read it for themselves. And so his big thing was, you know, that, that there was a place for the common man to be educated in, in the faith. And so he had the Bible translated to the language of the people. So the people could begin to read it and begin to develop their faith on their own. And I, I feel like, um, nowadays how we see this is that again, and this goes back to another thing in the article that people don't expect or pastors or leaders don't expect the people to read the Bible. And oftentimes like they're almost, you know, sometimes it's not done on purpose, but almost made to feel like they're not smart enough to read the Bible. Like, and you need this to read it. You need this to go along with it. And honestly, all you need to read the Bible is your Bible and the Holy Spirit. And with those two things, you're good to go. You know, when I I first got saved, I joined a Bible study and literally all we did was read the Bible. We didn't have a devotion. We didn't have a reading plan. We got together. We picked up where we left off every week. And sometimes we did two verses and talked about them. Sometimes we got through five. Sometimes we only did one verse. Sometimes, you know, like just depending on what the Holy Spirit was putting in us, like we just, we just followed the Holy Spirit. And all we had was the Holy Spirit and the Bible. And I learned so much during that time. But I I think that it's, it's sad when we, when people, you know, make other people feel bad uh, or feel like they're not able to read the Bible. Um, All right. Number eight, and this is the last one in the article 
it says that Paul predicted you wouldn't read it. And it said, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passion. And that's 2 Timothy 2, uh, 4 and 3. Um, and, you know, I, that, I, I do see that. You know, I see where people... People will, they'll be at a church for a minute and when they don't like what that person's saying, they'll go somewhere else. Uh, when they don't like what that person's saying, they go back to where they were and then they go somewhere and they kind of bounce around. Um, but all that to say, like, we we do, we like to hear what we like to hear. We like to hear uh, things that tell us we're doing a good job. We're doing, you know, you're doing this. But the truth is that's not all that's in the Bible. The Bible in Second um, Timothy says that all scriptures God breathed and it's used for correction rebuking, training. Like these aren't like fun words. Like these aren't like, it's used for blessing and favor and goodness. And it is, but the Bible, when we read the Bible, I've heard people say the Bible is the only book that you read and it reads you. You know, I know it sounds cliche, but it's true. When you read the Bible and you begin to see, oh, you know, I I shouldn't be in sexual immorality. Oh, my body's a temple. I probably shouldn't be putting drugs into it. When you begin to read the Bible, you really get to learn what God thinks about you and who he says that you are. And uh, that was all that was in that article, but we're going to move on a little bit, switching gears. One thing that was not mentioned in the article, and I think, I think for the most part, all the, all those points are very true, but um, this is one, for, in my opinion, I don't have no statistics. This is just Jasmine uh, sitting in my bedroom talking to y'all. <laughs> but I think that one of the main and most overlooked reasons that Christians don't read their Bibles is the devil doesn't want you to read it. It's it's not a coincidence that everybody and their mom texts you and calls you when you start reading your Bible. It's not a coincidence that when you open up your Bible app, other notifications pop up and they distract you and and you all of a sudden remember that you forgot to, you know, close out your banking app or whatever. That's not that's not a coincidence. The devil is real, first of all. Let me let me start there. The devil is real and he does not want you to read your Bible. I wrote a whole blog about this and you can read that at jasminelozano.com. But the devil doesn't want you to read your Bible because he doesn't want you to know what's in it. He doesn't want you to know the promises of God for your life. You know, back in um during slavery, in American slavery, I'm saying that in case you're overseas listening, in American slavery, the, sla- the slaves were not allowed to read. They were not allowed to be taught to read. There were actual laws put in place that like you you got fined if you got caught teaching a slave to read. And and why was that? Because the, the slave owners, quote unquote, um, they, they knew the power that came with literacy. They knew the power that came um, when, when someone comes out of ignorance. And so the devil is just like those slave owners. He doesn't want us to be free. He doesn't want us to know what the word of God has to say. I was watching some uh, basketball on YouTube with my husband this weekend. I mean, I was I wasn't watching it, watching it, but I was in the room while he was watching it. And I was watching somebody play defense and it made me think like, that's what the devil is doing to us. You know, you, you we're on offense, you know, you have the ball and the ball, there's a point for the ball. You're the ball, the point of the ball is to go into the basket, score points, right? So the ball is like the word of God. And we're trying to put the word of God where it belongs. We're trying to sow the word of God into our finances. We're trying to sow the word of God into our children. And the devil is there playing defense. He's got his hands up. He's elbowing you sometimes. He's, he plays unfair. So he's there trying to block every shot that you take in implementing the word of God in your life because he knows, he knows the power 
of the word of God. He, he came from heaven. He lived, he lived with Jesus. He lived with God before he was thrown out. He was an angel. And so he's seeing God, uh, move things with the word of his mouth. He knows the power of God's word. And that's why when he came to tempt Jesus in Matthew chapter four, Jesus had to use the word of God against him, you know, and Satan will come and he'll make something sound real good. But Jesus is like, no, first of all, I am the word. And so I'm going to use the word to combat you, not opinion, not thoughts, not ideas. I'm going to use the word of God to combat you. And, um, you can find all this in the show notes, but you know, we, we can't combat the attacks of the enemy without the word of God. I mean, we can cry, we can, you know, anoint our homes with oil. We can do all these things, but until we begin declaring the word of God and declaring the victory that we have over Satan, like we, we can't combat his attacks without the word of God. And that's why he fights us so hard when we try to read our Bible. And, and I, like, I, I, I know I'm not the only one, but like, I get so distracted when I'm trying to read my Bible. I really do. You know, I, I get sleepy. I get, you know, I start thinking of other things that I meant to do. And I'm like, oh, let me do this first. And then I go to do that first. And then I come back to read my Bible, but then the kids need something. Um, I'm not saying the devil using my kids or nothing like that, but you know, it's like, it's so easy to get distracted. And that's because Satan's going to use every tool he can to try to keep you from, from reading and receiving what's in God's word. You know, Satan tried to do the same thing. Well, he didn't try. He did it. He did the same thing when he tempted Eve. And if you look in Genesis three, chapter one, I mean, chapter three, verse one, it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Satan successfully employed two tricks that he often uses to distract us. And this is what he did to Eve. He got her alone and he got her to doubt God's word. And, and he, he did this because like, well, he's, he's completely separated from God. He knows, he knows his place is in the lake of fire and his, his job is to, he, his first job is to get you there. And once you get saved and he's like, okay, I no longer have, you know, they're no longer going to be, you know, roomies with me in hell. So what can I do while they're on earth to distract them? What can I do to get them not to live their best life? And that is by keeping us alone, fellowship, and causing us to doubt God's word, the Bible. And, and that's why it's so important that we should read God's word so that way we can we can one combat the enemy, but also know what God's word says about us. Uh, you, you're not going to feel victorious or act victorious if you don't know that you've already been made victorious. The Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony in the book of Revelation. But if we don't know that, we'll continue to act and function in a way that, that we look and feel defeated. You know, and for, for many people, there's just, there's, there's parts of the Bible, the, the Bible in itself, they're just not knowledgeable about. And it's so important that we reemphasize this importance of reading the word of God. You know, maybe uh, there, there's things in my life that like I, I would not have overcome if it wasn't for the word of God. Um, I don't know. I can't remember if I've shared this, but I, I, I'll probably go into more detail because um, a, a few people have asked me to share this. But um, I we've struggled in our we we struggled past tense in our finances for so long. Like I didn't grow up in a home where people talked about money and saving and giving and investing. So it's like you just grow up and you just try to make it. And for years, that's just that was my life, just trying to make it, make it to the next check, make it to the next check. 
And and then once I began to really implement the word of God, where God says that I could be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, that I can be a lender and not a borrower, I'm like, wow, God, I, I, I didn't know that this was available to me. And that's why it's important for us to read the Bible and read what, what's available to us. I, I mentioned that I just finished a study of Galatians with the ladies at my church. And, and there's such a freedom that comes with serving God. There's there's freedom from things and there's freedom uh, to things. There's freedom, there's an availability to things that were not accessible to me before I knew God's will and his promises. And I, I only discovered them through reading the word of God. So we, we should read the Bible, one, to learn God's will and his promises in our lives. And then we should read the Bible to hear the voice of God. I said earlier, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And I really, I feel like the military just like, <laughs> like stole that for their basic training. Um, I read last week that the military said, you know, we... Our basic training isn't to break people, it's to equip them. And that's what the word of God is for. It's to it's to equip us. It's to be our spiritual food. It's to to help us to handle life on this earth. You know, and I've I've shared in I shared in the show notes just a ton of scriptures that talk about the importance of reading the Bible. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. A couple of months ago, I went to Newport State Park. It's in Ellison Bay, um, Door County, Wisconsin. And it's one of the few places where you can experience a true dark sky, which is like, you know, no pollute, no light pollution, no, you know, lights from Target, none of that kind of stuff. And the first night we went out there, it was so pitch black. Like you could you couldn't see your hand in front of your in front of your face. Like I'm not kidding. And 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 it made me think of this that like when we can't see where to go, that's what the word of God does. It's like a lamp, it's like a flashlight to show us the way to go. And if we're not reading his word, you know, we're not gonna know what to do. We're not gonna know, you know, how to get our kids on track. It was during a time of prayer and fasting and spending time in the word that the Lord spoke to my heart to homeschool our kids. And my son, he was, he, he was doing fine in school, but he was, he was really struggling in some areas. And, and I asked God, I, I didn't go to the school. I didn't go to his teacher. Like, what should we do? What should, you know, I, I asked God, what, what do we need to do for him? How can I help him? How can we help him to, to learn and excel? And God put in my heart, homeschool. Like you can help him. I'll help you. And you can help him. But but I, I didn't receive that word of wisdom until, you know, I, I had set aside time to just spend time in his presence and spend time in his word. Um, I'm not going to read all these scriptures with you because there's a lot. But Matthew 4, 4 says, uh, this is what Jesus said when he was combating Satan um, and the temptations of Satan in the desert. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's saying, you know what, we're as, as believers... Um, we need more than just physical food. You know, if you, if you didn't eat, I don't know how many of you guys have ever like done intermittent fasting or had to fast for a, a, a medical test or anything like that, or done like a spiritual fast. But when you don't eat, uh, you get, you get weak. I remember our church in Houston, we did a seven day fast. And this was when I was a new Christian. I'm like, y'all trying to kill me. I, I thought you was going to give me life and life abundantly. This is not life, <laughs> but it was, it wasn't, it was an amazing fast. And it was a seven day fast, water only. And by day five, six, like I was feeling weak. I was feeling tired. Um, I, I felt worn out. And that's because my body wasn't receiving physical full, 
food, fuel or food. Um, spiritually, it's the same thing. When we don't speed, feed our spirit, when we don't feed it the word of God, we don't feed it through encouraging messages that we read in the Bible. When we don't feed our spirit, it begins to get weak. And then we become more susceptible, more susceptible to temptations, to struggles, different things. I'm going to get ready to wrap this up because I promised I was not going to keep you guys long today, but I wanted to share some basic tips with you to help you improve your relationship with reading the Bible. Um, and I am going to go on a very quick side tangent, but I'm, I'm still going to get you out of here quick. You know, people do what they love. You know, you don't have to ask, um, a Green Bay Packer fan or a Dallas Cowboy fan or a 49ers fan, how do you how do you make time every Sunday to watch your team for three hours? How do you set aside three hours every Sunday to watch your team? It's because they want to. And so my prayer for you is that you would develop a love and a desire for God's word because you will do what you want to do. But here is a couple basic tips to help you. Um, number one, make a plan. You know, don't leave it up for chance. Make a plan. How how do you plan to increase your time in the word this week? Um, do you plan to read in the mornings? Do you plan to read in the evenings? One thing that's helped me, there's one thing I do every morning. Um, there's there, like without fail, like I will not skip this. I make a cup of coffee. So my plan is while I'm drinking my coffee, I'm reading my Bible. I do it together because like, I'm, I'm not going to forget to have a cup of coffee cause I'll get a headache. <laughs> so I read my Bible while I have my coffee. So make a plan, whatever it is, I'm going to read on my lunch break. Um, I'm going to read right after I brush my teeth, whatever it is, have, have a plan. Number two, if you're able, and if you have this kind of schedule, try to do it first thing in the morning, let it be the first thing that you do. And, and, and you will notice the difference in your day, but, but the Bible talks about, you know, putting God first, prioritizing uh, the things that God cares about. And, and what he cares about is you being prosperous. He cares about you being knowledgeable in his word. So see if you could do it first thing, first thing in your day. Number three, put your Bible in an obvious place. And this is real simple. I mean, like like for me, I don't do this anymore, but like I was, when I was trying to grow in my prayer life, I put my uh, prayer book by the coffee pot. So when I got my coffee, I would just bring that book back with me. So make it obvious. Put your Bible somewhere where it's right in your face and you're not gonna forget to read it. Put put uh, put your remote inside of your Bible. So if you, if you gotta get your remote, you gotta pick up the Bible and then maybe you'll read that first. Um, number four, read it before you have a meal. Again, just trying to find um, space and to, to make it a habit, not something habitual or routine, but uh, find a space in your day to where you can um, you can make sure it gets done. And that could be like, like I said, when you have a meal, because you're not going to forget to eat. Most people, uh, I ain't going to forget to eat. So, you know, maybe while you're after you get your food together and you pray, open your Bible and read a verse. So, you know, maybe have it with the meal. And number five, join a Bible study. Uh, that is one of the benefits of technology is that there's so much available to us outside of like our city, outside of our house, um, and we don't have to go anywhere to access it. I joined an online Bible study and um, it, it's it been wonderful. I'm developing a relationship with the ladies that are in, of course, there's a motorcycle when I'm trying to um, record, <laughs> but I, I've developed a relationship with the ladies that are in uh, the Bible study that um, that I that I joined online 
And we we just enjoy each other. We uh, we're building fellowship that way. We're building community. But it also keeps us accountable. You know, hey, did you read what you're supposed to read this week? Yeah, I read it. You know, so join a Bible study that will really help you to to stay accountable to to reading your Bible. So um, as I wrap up, I just want to encourage you this week: make a plan for reading the Bible this week. Figure out what you need to do to make God's word a priority in your life this week. Don't worry about next week. Don't worry about a six month plan or that. What about this week? Focus on this week. What are you going to do? Are you going to do it first thing in the morning? Are you going to put your Bible in an obvious place? Are you going to join a Bible study? What are you going to do? Let me know. You can leave a voicemail or voice message on the podcast if you're listening through Anchor, or you can go over to the blog and leave it in the comments section. Um, or maybe share some opti- obstacles that you face when you're trying to read your Bible and trying to be consistent. And, and we'd, I'd be happy to encourage you and pray for you. So comment over at the blog or leave a voice message in the Anchor app. But whatever you do, make sure you come back next week as we go into week three. We're going to be talking about giving and money. Yay. How fun, right? But no, I'm going to have a guest next week. Our first guest is going to be on the show. So you're not going to want to miss that. Um I just pray that you guys have a blessed week. I pray God's blessings on you, his favor on you, that he would continue to just pour out his unmerited and undeserved favor and mercy in your life. You guys have a great week and I'll see you next time. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Seeking God, Loving Others. You can read more inspiration and join our email list at jasminelozano.com. And don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss an episode. While you're there, you can leave a rating and review to help others find the podcast. Be sure to tune in every Monday for new episodes and a great way to start the week. Thanks again for listening. And remember, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. God is on your side.